Thanks for joining us and welcome to the Carter Report. The topic today is the most important subject that you're ever, ever going to hear. It's on the great truth of righteousness by faith. We are going to answer the question, how long does it take to be saved? If you don't understand any other subject, make sure you understand this one today. The Carter Report investigates the mysteries of the past as it seeks to interpret amazing predictions concerning our future. John Carter, scholar, writer, and traveler, invites you to join him as he unlocks mankind's most valuable treasure. Now tonight we're going to answer the questions must I confess to a priest to be saved? Can I be forgiven after death? What about purgatory? Is that necessary as it taught in the Bible? What about a work of penance? I'm taught by some that I must perform a work of penance. How long does it take to be saved? Does it take a lifetime? How long does it take to be saved? Can I have absolute assurance tonight that my sins are forgiven? We're going to talk tonight on the great subject of righteousness by faith, and I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 3. And it's verse 23. And I want everybody here tonight to turn up this text. The book of Romans is a book that tells you and me how to get right with God. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You notice it says, all have sinned, that's past. But then it says, all fall short of the glory of God. This text teaches the universality of sin. And that is the first point that I want to make tonight. The Bible says, all, A-double-L, all have sinned. That includes you, and that includes me. And then the Bible says we fall short of the glory of God. That is not in the past tense. That is in the present continuous tense. The Bible says we fall short of the glory of God. Let me come over here to the blackboard and I'll put up on the blackboard exactly what the Bible is getting at here and what Paul is talking about. Paul says we fall short of the glory of God. I want you to imagine that here is a great chasm. And down here, my friend, is eternal death. This is death and destruction. And the Bible says, we fall short of the glory of God. And so I come running along and I spring right over here. And I may think I'm really going great, that I'm moving pretty fast. But the Bible says, in my own efforts... I don't reach the other side. The Bible says that in my own efforts, I fall short of the glory of God. And the theologians have rightly called this the universality of sin. This means that every person is a sinner. Did you know that? Every person, every person is a sinner. I was running a series of meetings and the man, a man went out the door and he said to me, 
I've liked all your meetings so far, but this is one meeting I did not like. I said, what was so bad about it? He said, you said that I was a sinner. And he said, I am not a sinner. He said, I pay my taxes and uh, I don't beat my wife and I, I do this and I do that. Listen, my friend, the Bible says it. I don't say it. This book says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that every one of us, every person in the world, says the Bible, is a sinner. I want you to turn now over here to page 1020, 1020 to Luke chapter 18. And this talks about the worst sin of them all. Luke chapter 18. Do you know what the worst sin is? The very worst sin? My friend, the worst sin is not homosexuality. Did you hear that? The worst sin is not murder. The worst sin is not lying. The worst sin is not Sabbath breaking. That's not the worst sin. The worst sin is when I don't feel my need of the grace of God. That is the worst sin. And I want you to notice here the story of the, the Pharisee who goes to church. Verse 9 of Luke, what did I say? Luke 18? Luke chapter 18 and verse 9, the Bible says, Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. My friend, Jesus here is talking about the Pharisees. Does anybody here know who the Pharisees were? The Pharisees were the people who went to church and the Pharisees were the most righteous people in the world. They were the most bigoted. They were the most fundamental. They were the most zealous. And the Bible says that this Pharisee goes up to the church and he goes there to pray. And he thinks that he is a very, very righteous man because he pays his taxes. And he doesn't beat his wife, and he does everything that a person ought to do. And notice what Jesus says about the churchgoer. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Why did Jesus pick out a tax collector? Because people figured back there that the very worst type of individual in the world was a person who collected the taxes. You know what Jesus was talking about? You see, a tax collector was a Jew who collected taxes from his own people. And one thing our Jew despised more than anything else was another Jew who came and got his money. You see? Nobody likes a tax collector. Who likes a tax collector here? Only a tax collector's wife likes a tax collector. Now that's being a little hard, I know. But here was this tax collector, and the Jewish people despised the tax collectors. They thought they were the very scum of the earth. 
And so there are two men who go up to the temple in Jerusalem and they go up to pray. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. He was a Jewish Jew. He was a very, very religious man. And the other a tax collector, a despicable, despised person. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. You notice that? It says that the Pharisee, even though he thought he was praying to God, in fact, he was only praying to himself. The Pharisee prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. You know what that man, my friend, was suffering from? And this was the worst of all sins. This man was suffering from the disease of self-righteousness. He thought he was a good man, and he despised other people. He was a churchy man. He was a preacher. He was a man who was very, very religious. My friend, he was not like that wicked tax collector. And so he said, Lord, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like these other people. I'm glad I'm a little better than the, than the rest of these people. And then he went on to tell God how good he was. Verse 12, he said, I fast twice a week. He was on the Predican diet. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess, even though it hurts. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. Who? That man was an honest man. The Pharisee was not honest. Or maybe the Pharisee was honest. But he was honestly deluded. But this man said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be abased. And he who humbles himself, Jesus said, will be exalted. Now, my friend, the man who's going to make it into the kingdom of God as far as Jesus is concerned here, and Jesus was right, was not the man who went to church. Did you hear that? The man, my friend, who went to church ended up in the wrong place. But the man who was the sinner and who called upon God for mercy, Jesus said that the sinner got saved. Now, the Bible tells us that the very worst sin is the sin where I think I am good. Did you hear that? I know this is not very popular theology. I know it's not popular with some, uh, with some preachers who seem to teach their audiences that God wants everybody to believe that the most important thing they can do is to be wealthy and to think positive thoughts. Now that may be very fine, but the Bible teaches that the most fundamental truth that you and I can grapple with is the great truth of the universality of sin. So, 
We've got to go down firstly before we can go up. And if you look around, my friend, the evidence of our sin is everywhere manifested in the land. In hate and bigotry and racism. My friend, the world is filled with racism. And that is one of the symptoms of sin, where a man thinks he's better than some other man because he was born with a different complexion. How crazy can people get? Because if a man, my friend, is opened up, they all look the same inside. And they've all got the same blood. The white man and the black man and the brown man and the yellow man, they've all got the same blood. We're made of the one blood. We're all brothers because we have the same father. And this idea where people think they're better than others because of the color of their skin is a symptom of sin. You see? It's a symptom of self-righteousness. And the Bible says that is the worst of sins. But if you look around this world, my friend, everywhere you look, you see the symptom of sin in jealousy and hatred and strife and bigotry and racism and murder and violence and pettiness and thieving. The Bible says all have sinned. I want you to know tonight, and I say it on the authority of the Holy Scriptures, that every man... You and me, we've all sinned. We've all broken the law of God and we're all worthy of death. You're worthy of death. And the Bible says, I am worthy of death. You know, it's a very, very popular thing in America and in Australia to say how bad the Russians are or how bad the Arabs are or how bad the Palestinians are. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says all have sinned. The Bible says we are all falling short of the glory of God. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. I want you to turn over now to the writings of Paul. I want you to come over here to page 1103. 1103, Romans 6. And verse 23, please. Romans 6 and verse 23. And please turn up the text. Romans 6, verse 23. The Bible says, Paul says, For the wages of sin is what? The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. Listen, my friend, and I want you to hear this tonight. The Bible says that if I choose to live in sin and if I choose to hold on to sin, the Bible said sin is going to destroy me. The wages of sin is death. I was reading recently about a, some missionaries down in Africa. They were Baptist missionaries, very, very dedicated. There was a lady doctor down there in this little village by the name of Lhasa. L-H-A-S-A, -A. in one of the back blocks of, of Africa. And patients started to come into the clinic. And when these folk came into the clinic, they all had the same symptom. 
they would get this awful headache and then they would get pains up and down the spine and then these ulcers would break out in the throat and on the twelfth day they would die and this this Baptist doctor this lady doctor she did everything to help them she did everything she knew and on the twelfth day they would die and she was frantic because they were dying like flies in the little village of Lhasa and so one day she was carrying out a postmortem, and she was tired because she'd been up all night and she'd been up night after night working for her patients. And this day as she was working with the knife, the knife slipped and she nicked her finger. And she ran over quickly to the tap and she turned the tap on and she washed her finger and she said to the black nurse, I think... I think I've blown it. She said, I've been so careful, but she said, I think I've blown it. And a few days later, she got this pain in the back of her neck. And then these shooting pains up the spine. She thought, maybe it's because I'm fatigued. Maybe it's because I'm tired. And then my friend, the little blisters broke out on her throat. And on the twelfth day, she died. They sent some of the organs of these people by jet back to New York. And they were met at the airport by, by special motor cars, special ambulances, sealed up. And they put the organs inside and they were ever, ever so careful. And they had scientists work on these organs to see if they could isolate the virus without becoming contaminated themselves. And men worked there in secrecy. Nobody in America knew the virus was in New York. They said, if this thing gets out in the streets of New York, it could wipe out New York. And if it gets out in New York, what is going to happen? It may wipe out the world. And those men who worked on that virus wore special suits. And one day... One of those scientists got a pain in the back of his neck and followed by the little blisters. And on the twelfth day he died and fear, fear seized their hearts. They said, what on earth are we dealing with? They didn't know what they were dealing with. But later on when they discovered the cure, because there was a cure, they discovered this awful virus was spread by rats. And they discovered an antidote. There was, they discovered a cure. But for a while, my friend, while this virus was out there on the streets, out there in the jungle, men were terrified because they were dealing with something for which there was no cure. Listen to me. Thousands of years ago into the universe, there came a virus. Did you know that? Nobody knew where that virus came from. Nobody understood that virus. And the, and the whole of the human race, my friend, became contaminated. And when the human race became contaminated, people said, because people were dying everywhere without any hope, they said, the human race is lost. 
And there is no hope for the human race because, you listen to this, every person here tonight is contaminated by a virus. It is a virus, my friend, more contagious, more deadly than the last virus. Yes, even more deadly than AIDS. And the Bible calls that virus sin. You've got it, and I've got it. And I'm here to tell you tonight, thanks be to God, there is a cure. There is an antidote. And the antidote is found in the blood of Jesus Christ, God's own Son. That is the good news. I want you to come and notice it. Romans 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. My friend, if you hold on to sin, the Bible says you're going to die. I want to say to the young woman sitting here tonight, I want to say to the young man sitting here tonight, who is living a life of sin, I want to say to the older person sitting here tonight, who is living a life of sin, you have a virus, and that virus is going to kill you if you hold on to that virus, or if that virus holds on to you. The Bible says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that's the hope. I want to talk now about Jesus because Jesus is our hope. The Bible tells me that Jesus is God. Did you know that? In the Scriptures, Jesus is called God. In the Scriptures, we are told to worship Jesus Christ because He is God. The Bible teaches that this great God became a man. The Bible teaches that when this virus invaded the human race, Jesus said, they are lost. And Jesus said, I am going to go down to them. And Jesus came down to this world and he became affected by our sin, but not infected with our sin. You see, Jesus, my friend, is the only man to have lived who was not a sinner. Jesus kept the law of God perfectly. He's the only man, friend, who ever kept the law of God perfectly. He was the only righteous man that this world has ever seen, the only sinless man. Now listen to this. The Bible says that in some way that you and I can't comprehend, some way that you and I cannot understand, Jesus took our sins upon him on the cross. And Jesus on the cross bore our sin. I'm going to talk about that now. And I want us to see that tonight as we've never seen it before because, my friend, it is the greatest truth in all of creation. And I want tonight that you will see this. I've been talking for a few nights about the Sabbath. I spoke about the Sabbath for two nights. Listen to me. The Sabbath is a very important truth. But listen, my friend, no truth can come anywhere near this truth. This is the greatest truth in the Bible. Let's talk about that truth. 
And when we get that truth straight, every other truth is going to fall into place. Did you know that? I want you to come to page 1130. We're going to talk about something that most Christians do not understand. The mystery of the cross. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, 1130. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is my favorite subject because it's the most important. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it's verse 21. 2 Corinthians, please turn to it. Chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible says, have you got that text there? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says, For he made him to be sin for us. Did you see that? For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I want you, please, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, I want you to say that text out loud with me. Then I'm going to talk about that text. And we are going to pray that the Holy Spirit tonight is going to come in, into this meeting. And God is going to reveal this truth to us. I want to tell you tonight, if you can only understand this truth, you are going to leave this place a brand new person. Did you hear that? I told you that we're born, we are sinners, you see. We are sinners. And if we stay in that state, we are going to be lost. But my friend, I want every man tonight to get out of that state and to become saved through Jesus.